this morning, I want us to go into the Word of God in Psalm 46, and I'll invite you to stand with me as we read together this beautiful, beautiful psalm from the Word of God. And I'm so, so excited for everything that God is going to speak into our hearts this morning. Amen? Amen. So if you want to read together with me, let's do our very best. Let's read. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in times of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done. The amazing things he has done on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Let's see it again the end. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Amen. What a beautiful psalm and what a beautiful thing that the Lord has prepared to share with us this morning. And as beautiful as this psalm is, and it already gives us so much encouragement and so much hope, I just want to give you a little bit of the context of where this psalm fits in in the Bible. Because this is a psalm that is believed to be written by the sons of Korah, in the year 701 before Christ. Now, what happened in that year was very complicated. You know, this psalm was written during a very, very troubling experience because the evil king of Assyria decided to attack Jerusalem. Now, just from knowing this, that Jerusalem was going to be attacked by an evil king, it doesn't really give us much of the context. It doesn't really put color into this verse. But I want you to understand what does it mean for a city like Jerusalem to be under threat, to be under attack by the Assyrian Empire. This Assyrian Empire, they were the most efficient and feared military force in the ancient world. How many of you have seen the movie The Equalizer? The Equalizer, some of you. How many of you have watched John Wick? Ah, that's more recent one. You're watching the movies. Now, these were people, and these are heroes of these stories that no matter what you throw at them, they can handle it. They have a very particular set of skills. Now, imagine the Assyrian Empire being 185,000 Denzel Washingtons. 185,000 Keanu Reeves. 
people that are not afraid of anything. They're the most skilled. They're the strongest. They're the wisest. They have all the best training and all the best tactics to face anything that comes their way. They were brutal beyond measure. They weren't just thinking about destroying. They wanted to completely humiliate. Take away the strength of the peoples that they conquered. That is why that the, that's why the psychological warfare was higher and greater than the actual warfare. Do you know what the Assyrian Empire did? Before they invaded any given country or any given city, they would send scrolls and they would send paintings that would describe what, the, what their army was going to do once they got hold of the people. They wrote letters and they painted pictures so that they could be seen from afar to tell the people in Jerusalem and to tell the people that they wanted to conquer. These are all the atrocious things that we will do to you, that we will do to your wives, that we will do to your children, that we will do to your king, to the people that you love, to the people that you care of. This is what we're going to do to them. And just because I really love you this morning and it's just a little bit after 11 a.m. I don't want to put those pictures on the screen. Because they wanted to terrorize the people. To take away the strength. To take away any willingness that they had to go into battle. And maybe you're a little bit scared of what's going to come in 2024, and maybe you've already received some letters in the mail, and maybe you already know some of the things that are going to happen in this next year that you're going to have to face, and the enemy is going to try to use the exact same tactic at you. He's going to bring you the pictures. He's going to run wild with your imagination. He will try to make sure that you feel so scared and feel so lack of strength to face what is going to come. But what the Assyrian Empire didn't know, and what the enemy of our souls doesn't know, is that in the hardest of times, there is a voice that is able to speak hope. That what the enemy doesn't want you to know is that there is a voice that is able to bring comfort. There is a voice that is our protection. There is a voice that speaks louder than fear. There is a voice that is able to strengthen and empower us in the hardest of our times. And that voice is the voice of the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God in what He says is stronger and louder than any statement of the enemy regarding yourself and regarding whatever you're going through right now in life. The Spirit of God is the voice that talks to us and spoke to the people of Israel and said, God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. The Spirit of God that reminded His people, you might be in a time of trouble. You might feel that there is no way out, but you have to remember, and the Spirit will say, God is our refuge and strength. He is always ready to help. And so much time has passed since this experience in Jerusalem, but God is the same one that is able to bring us hope. God is the one that reminds us of who He is. 
And I love this translation. It's different than the first one that we read. It says that God is always ready to help. I love the fact that God is always ready to help. When trouble comes, you and I, we don't feel ready for it. We very rarely feel that we've got this. I'm prepared for this. My faith is high. My strength is high. My health is just fine. I'm sleeping whole nights. I'm eating properly. Let's do it, God. We can do this together. We never said it in 2023. And if you said it, I'm going to give you a chance. You didn't. We didn't. Because the moment trouble comes, we don't feel ready for it. But you know something? God is ready. God is never surprised. God is never taken by chance. What is happening? God is always in control. So the Bible says God is always ready. Whenever you face troubles, whatever's coming your way, whatever it is that you face in 2023, God was always ready. He's prepared for it. He knows exactly what to do. He will never say to you, you know what, Reuben, I'm so sorry. I really didn't see this coming. Endure a little bit while I figure out what I want to do about this situation. Just hang in there. Try your very best because sooner or later I'm going to do something. I just don't know why, what just yet. God doesn't say that. The moment that we come to him, the moment that we face him, he's the one that says, I've got this. I am always ready. And when we go before him, we go in prayer and God says, I am ready for this. What a blessing it is. This psalm that says God is our refuge and strength. And this translation, the NIV says, a never-present help in times of trouble. An ever-present help in times of trouble. And I was reading about this sentence, and it's so much deeper than any English translation or Portuguese or whatever language can give. Because when we study in the Hebrew what God is saying to the people, God is our refuge and strength, and ever-present help in times of trouble, it is about two little Hebrew words that I want you to remember, that I want you to memorize, and then you're going to say in 2023, I learned a little bit of Hebrew. It was 0.0001% of Hebrew, but you've learned it. And good on you. And you have to remember these words, these words that are nimza miyad. Can you say nimza miyad? Wow, I, th I think it's, that's how you say it. Nimsamiot, even better. Nimsamiot, thank you for that. I'm sorry, I'm Portuguese. I butcher every single language. There you go. Thank you for that. I should have known. Should have known. Thank you. Say it again. I'm very sorry. I'm going to butcher it. Okay, awesome. There, there you go. So I'm going to be careful. We have someone that knows about this. This is my research, okay? You're not going to be angry with me. Okay, thank you. But nimza, this Hebrew word, it means to be discovered. It means to be encountered. It means to be experienced. In other words, it means I cannot just say it to you. I cannot describe it to you. This is something that you need to experience yourself in order to believe it. In order for you to fully know about it, I can tell you about all the majestic places in Portugal. I can tell you about Serra do Jerez. How many of you have been to Jerez? Wow, these people. Pedro, 
As Portuguese, we feel, yeah, it's an offense. It really is. How many of you have been to Madeira? How many of you have been to the Azores? How many of you have been to Praia de Dona Maria in the Algarve? Oh, man. You really like Lisbon, huh? It's okay. Just to say, I can describe and really try to say how beautiful it is, how amazing it is, but you have to be there. You have to go there to experience it, to see all the beauty that God has done. I can describe to you something as simple as JP's carrot cake. How many of you had JP's carrot cake? And some of you are like, what? I've had carrot cake before. That's nothing to be excited about. No, 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 my friend. No, no, no. Until you have all that beautiful white frosting covering your mouth, you don't know what a good carrot cake is. You have to experience it. I cannot put into words. And this is what the Bible is saying. How, who God is in his fullness is not something, how present he is, is not something that we can describe with words. God is inviting us to experience how present he is, how beautiful he is, how amazing he is with his presence. And this is what you've experienced this year. In the times of your troubles, in the times that were hard, you cling to God and God was there. You've experienced the presence of God. It's not just about knowing God. You've experienced God in your life. And as you embark in this next new year, you will go through many other things. But what we cling on, what we really want is to experience God. Miad is the word, don't, cover, don't correct me. Miot is the word that tries to describe the presence of God. How is the presence of God? And miot means exceedingly abundant. It means exceedingly much. One writer described it as the muchness of God. And I love that. There's so much goodness that doesn't even fit in words. Exceedingly much, much muchness. It's lots and lots and lots that cannot be contained. And so this verse is literally saying when we experience God, when God is present with our lives, when God is ever present, he is not just present to tap on our back. He brings the fullness of who he is. He brings the fullness of his joy. He brings the fullness of his comfort. Everything that he is, is everything that we need in our time of need. Everything that we lack, he is everything that we need in our lives. So there will never be a circumstance. There will never be a problem. There will never be something in your mind and in your heart that God is not muchness, that God is not more than abundant, that God is not the God that is going to be able to, to help you. God God is the ever-present help in times of trouble. And as the people of Israel listen to this, it's the same thing that God is speaking to us as we look back in 2023. God was your ever-present help in times of need. If you are here today, it's because God is ever-present. And if you're able to be here alive and well, however you find yourself, it's because of the grace of God that is an ever-present help in, in times of need. So when you think 
How can this help me? Is this going to be able to release my anxiety? Is this going to help me to sleep better at night? Is this going to help me to endure the world as it is and with its troubles? Am I going to be able to find peace in the midst of my problems in my job, the problems that I'm experiencing in my family? What does it mean when your faith that once was strong and now it feels like it is not as strong as it was before? This is where you have to remember and open in Psalm 46 because it's here that God is exactly what you need in your time of need. God is everything you need in your time of need. And just looking back in this year, and maybe you've already been doing it. Gabby and I, we, we had a few exercises this week of looking back, evaluating, reflection on what God has done. What were our experiences? What was good? What was not so good? What was hard? What, what left us devastated in this year? What were the victories? What did God do? And the more we reflect, we know about that. That in the times that we felt most anxious, God was the one that gave us peace. When we felt hurting, God was our comfort. When we were lacking, God was our provider. When we sinned against God, and we sin so very often, but God is our righteousness. When we are in trouble, God is our fortress. He's our stronghold. He is the one that keeps us safe. We have a God that we look to. And you still have that God in your life today. These experiences that we have with God, these are the things that we have to remember, church. These are the things that we need to bring to our mind. Because God is our refuge and God is our strength. And he will never abandon those who trust in him. Psalm 46 verse 10 says, He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. When we look at this problem of a country being invaded, a city like Jerusalem being invaded by an army that whose track record is completely destroying and annihilating everyone in their path. If I put myself in their shoes and if I try to remember the feelings, what would I feel in that context? Because I am a husband. I am a dad. We have people that we love living in that city and that threat, that menace. All the emotions and all the fears and all the uncertainties that come with it. Because everything that you can see beyond the walls of the city is 185,000 men ready to kill and destroy. And God says, be still and know that I am God. When everything that I love is in jeopardy, when everything that I have, everything that I value... Everything that I've spent my life building feels like it's going to end soon. And it doesn't feel like this is right. It doesn't feel like this is what I'm designed to do because I'm designed to fight. I'm designed to try it out. I'm designed to act and do something about it. But God is saying, be still and know that I am God. 
like I'm ever going to be still, God. This word still, it comes from Hebrew as well. It's Rafa. Let's say it is, or at least it's here. But God is literally telling his people to relax. Be still means to relax. It means to chillax. It means that this battle is not ours. This battle belongs to God. There are battles, and most of our battles, God is not asking us to do anything. He's asking us to relax. How is it possible? Do you relax when, when your wife, when your husband tells you relax? It's never a good thing. Can't even be a trigger. Just relax. But God is saying relax. Be still. Don't do anything because this battle is not yours. God is saying, know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. I'm going to be the one that is exalted in your life because this battle does not belong to you. What God is saying is that you are not the main character of your story. The story isn't about you. You are living it. You feel that it's yours. You feel that you, are, you have the heart and you have the emotions and you have the willingness and you're the one that is living it. But God is declaring you are not the main character of your story. God is. And God is simply telling you, relax. Be still. He's not counting on you to do anything and there will be battles. And maybe this is the battle that you're facing that God is telling you, don't do anything. Just wait and see because I will be exalted on this earth. You're not going to be the one that is going to find a way out of this one. You can think about it all night. You can have and put your IQ really working towards it. You can really network and try to connect with other people. But you are not the one that is going to be able to handle this. This is above your pay grade. This is above anything that you are able to do. Your track record says that this would certainly destroy you. But that is why God allowed it to come into your life. Because God is saying, I've got this. This battle is mine. I am the one who's going to do it. I'm the one that is going to make a way in the desert. I'm going to be the one that is going to be able to provide. You just have to relax and see that I am God. This is the Nimsemiad. It's the God that is ever present. See that I am God. Experience God. How many times this past year we have experienced who God was? Not just because people were preaching on a Sunday, not just because we heard testimonies from other people, but we ourselves looking back, how many times did we see God manifesting his presence and manifesting his goodness and greatness in our lives? So next time, 
And when we go through these hardships, God is not saying, be worried and know that I'm God. He is not saying, be anxious and know that I am God. He's not saying, be troubled and know that I am God. He is saying, relax, be still, and know that I am God. You know what happened in the story of this Psalm 46? You have some homework that you can do today in 2 Chronicles 32 or 2 Kings 19. It's the same story with two different versions, but this is what happened. The Assyrians were ready to conduct their attack in the city, but the king Ezekiah, the king of Jerusalem, he prayed one prayer. Say with me, one prayer. The king of Jerusalem prayed one prayer. And what did God do? The God that is ever-present, the God who is our helper, our strength, and our, pre- our refuge, what did God do? The king prayed, and God sent one angel. One angel. One angel defeated 185,000 Assyrian army men. One angel. God didn't bring all, all the heavenly hosts. God didn't even select the, the 10 best of the heavenly armies. God sent one angel to deliver his people. One angel defeated 185,000. Just my brother will say it. I'll say it with him. Praise the Lord. The God who fights our battles is never scared, is never in a hurry, is never confused about what to do and how to do it. The God that is King of kings and Lord of lords, the mighty warrior of Israel, he sent one angel to take care of the business. My friends, the Bible says that God has counted the hairs in our heads. The Bible says that he takes care of the flowers of the field that he takes care of the birds in the sky. How much more when you lift your voice with one prayer, your heavenly Father will not send the answer and the rescue that you need right now in your life. Be still and know that I am God. And how this psalm ends In verse 11, the Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. This morning, I just want you to know and fully realize by the word that God is with you. God is with you. Can you say it? God is with me. God is with me. Say it again like you mean it. God is with me. 
Because it doesn't matter the circumstances. It doesn't matter what you try to do with your life. It doesn't matter what 2024 is going to bring. God is with you. And when you trust in the character of God in times of trouble, you experience the works of God in the midst of your trouble. When you trust in his character, you experience his works. That's what the Bible shows us. Be still and know that I am God. They didn't try to grab all the the, uh, the armor and everything that they have and all the tools to go into battle. They didn't panic. They didn't lose control. They were still, and they've experienced the presence of God in times of trouble because every time that we come close to God, he comes close to us. Every time that I'm at home or somewhere, I hear, I hear, Daddy, Daddy. It's like an alarm in my mind. Now Sky calls me Papai. It's not even Portuguese from Portugal. It's Portuguese from Brazil. I have to get used to it. Who's, who's calling who right now? But my daughters, they know. They know what name to call. They know to say mommy. They know how to say daddy. When something is hard, when something is troubling them, it doesn't matter if it's during the day, if it's during the night. Every time they say it, I will be there. How much more our heavenly father will not come close to us when we say, Abba, Father, I need you. Father in heaven, I am yours. Father, I don't know what to do. Father, help me. Father, deliver me. God is right there, always ready to help in times of need. This beautiful verse, verse 8 in this psalm says, Come and see what the Lord has done. And I want to invite Mariana to join me a little bit in the piano. I'm not going to sing. I'm going to say it very quickly. But the Bible says, Come and see what the Lord has done. God has done so much. And I want you to close your eyes just a little bit. And if you haven't done your moment of reflection of this past year, you can do it just now. And you can tell yourself, you can remind your soul, come and see the things that the Lord has done. Come and see the things that only God could have done. Come and see how far you've come. How gracious, how kind. How faithful God was for you in 2023. The one that carried you through the challenges. The one that showed his faithfulness time and time again. I don't know if as you close this chapter 2023, how you would describe the year in one word. But man, it was a hard year. I don't know if it was the hardest, but it was a hard year. But I don't want to be content and I don't want to describe this year as just a hard year. I want to describe this year as a year that I have experienced the ever-present God. I won't be able to describe this year as the year that God showed His mighty presence, His muchness, His kindness, His goodness, 
And maybe the, all the problems and all the struggles that you faced in 2023 aren't gone yet. They haven't finished yet. But you can look back and see that in the time of need, in the time of trouble, God was there. He was your comforter. He was your shield. He was your peace. He was your provider. He was your heavenly father. He was your comforter. And that's who God is. That's who God is. This year, this past year, there were times that I didn't know where my provision would come from. But God provided. He came through. Maybe you were sick this year. Maybe you got news that you hoped that you didn't have to face like my sister-in-law did this whole year battling breast cancer. The whole year. But she came through. She came out from the other side and she's exalting God and praising God, the God who was ever present in her times of trouble. The God that shows us exceedingly abundant favor in the good times and in the bad times. Now I want you to invite you to look at me a little bit. Like there are battles that belong to the Lord and there are things that only He has, could have done for us. And I'd love for us to have a time where we encourage one another, where we testify, when we tell one another, come and see what the Lord